0: Get a guitar wankers, how's it going, mate? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats everywhere across the world, welcome to episode 232. Your host Troy McCoven, because you have no saying it, and uh, thanks for taking the time out to listen to this new episode. This one is a continuation of uh, last week with Leland Sklar, the amazing bass player to all the great man himself, who could be the wizard from um, Lord of the Rings or any of those movies. The, uh, yeah, he could pull that off in a heartbeat But uh, yeah, we had an awesome time with Leland What a great, great guy A super sweetheart of a man I know he's probably very happy With the outcome of uh, the elections we've just had in America right now Hey, yeah, yay, And it's just begun, I feel <laughs> the Shit is still going on But anyway, we're moving forward Guitar Wank is moving forward Thank you for listening Remember if you uh, want to support the show Go to GuitarWank.com uh, You can search all the podcasts on GuitarWank.com If you want to find the Robin Ford episode The Joe Bonamassa, The Dweezil Zappa The Josh Smith The Lyle Workman Any of those you can find them Just by searching on the Guitar Wank episode And go back and listen to all our rants and raves again Quality time Quality time What else can I say Uh, If you want to also support the show You can go to guitarwank.com And click on the Patreon account And you can then not only support us And keep Bruce's and Scott's uh, Cocaine and hooker addiction going uh, You will also get Bruce's Guitar Wank Minute episodes His little uh, mini lessons which are amazing. If you aren't getting these, you're missing out. They are so cool. And within a minute, you get like five years of stuff to work on. It's, a, it's awesome. Bruce is such an amazing teacher, and it's really, really cool. Short bursts of information that you can walk away and instantly start improving your playing. I can't say how great they are. They are really, really great. So check them out. You'll get them if you sign up for Patreon. It's just, it could be as little as... I think a dollar a day. Not a dollar a day, a dollar a month or $3 a month or something. Really next to nothing. But it will pay for that cocaine habit the guys, the older gentlemen, have they're not here to defend themselves. I feel like I can rip them as much as I like. Uh, What else we got? I think that's it. If you have anything you want to promote on the show, T-shirts, no, not T-shirts, products. Or maybe you have got T-shirts you want to sell. They might sell more than ours. Uh, If you have uh, maybe music or a guitar pedal, instruments or a product that you want to reach millions and millions of guitar players or musicians around the world, this is a great place to advertise and we can set that up. Just reach out to us at guitarwank at gmail.com and uh, we can take care of that. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, A big hello and salute to Daniel. Daniel, I got your email, mate. I know you're going through a hard time and you mentioned that Guitar Wank is getting you through hard times. I love hearing that. Thank you for sharing, mate. And uh, whatever you're going through, stick at it and hang in there. And we really appreciate your support And don't let the bastards get you down mate It's just a moment in time You can get through it and uh, life will get better So we're thinking of you And we hope you're doing uh, better mate So hats off to you Daniel Thanks mate for letting us know and sharing that All right, let's get into it And uh, we will see you all next week On to last week's episode Continue on Be safe And be well And we'll see you all next week
1: Frisco
2: in the late spring a there. Hello Guitar Wank listeners This is Lyle Workman uh, you, Is everyone okay? I hope so um, I've been working on uh, a record I've been working on it for a while But it's finally coming together And I think it will be coming out In the earlier part of the year it's called Uncommon Measures. It's got uh, an orchestra recorded at Abbey Road, a 63-piece orchestra. We talked about it a little bit on the uh, show when I was on a while back. And uh, it's got uh, drummers like Vinnie Cagliuta and uh, Vinny Cagliuta. He needs to be mentioned twice. That's how good he is. Uh, Tim LaFave on bass. Uh, a bunch of uh, great players. Anyway, so that's all I'm here to promote, essentially. I, I hope everyone's doing well and that uh, we all get through this election. And take care. Out
1: there, folks stay in. Check with the register, the you to
3: touring i've i've never gone a year without doing both of them um so uh i'm just uh right now it's just surreal not not being out and being able to play with for people and and even the virtual stuff is you know they're out there but you know you're, you're just
1: are you recording
0: do you do your own recording at home nowadays or do you still you
3: well this was weird too um I, I had a friend, there's a guy named Gussie Miller in town, and Gussie contacted me, some friends of his, uh, they were gonna do a cover of um, Easy Lover. Uh, and um, they they said, would you play on it? And I said, I've never recorded at home. Like if somebody wants me to do something generally, um, I'll say, you know, send me the files and then I'll call a friend of mine like John Gilliton or somebody, and just go over to their house, because they all have home studios, and we'll do it, and then go out and have some pizza or something. You know, It was more of a social thing. But we can't do that anymore. So I told Gussie, I said, look, you know, I'd love to, but I, I don't have any way of doing it. Well, he had friends at SSL, so he immediately sent me an SSL 2 Plus interface. And uh, so I, I pulled up GarageBand and loaded in a, a the file to the thing and plugged into the thing. And I called Steve Postel, who's in, in our band, The Immediate Family, who's got a home studio. And I said, can you, over the phone, can you just walk me through this? And we got it working. And I've done a couple of albums here. I mean, everything sounds great and works great. I If this goes on for a long time, I might open that door a little bit more. But... Um, whole way of recording is being in in room with other musicians and and not just kind of sitting there just playing a bass part. Mm. Um, I like the interaction so I'll, you know if something appeals to me, I'll do it. I've got the the unit sitting right here next to me and uh, 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 mm. another friend who's just sent me a file and I told him I'd get on it next week and and, and put a bass part on it but uh, so we'll see, everything's new. I mean, it's just like I'm treading, you know, between YouTube and recording and the book and all this. I'm doing all these things that I had no intention of ever doing. So, But but it's either that or sit home and be really depressed and, uh, and you know, wonder where the future lies. So I'm trying to make my own future.
0: Do you, do you know a lot? Because one thing I've noticed with a lot of touring musicians just their world has stopped, like everything's changed in a drop of a hat. Do you know a lot of other guys who are dealing with that mental side of it who aren't dealing with it too well? And
3: It's terrible. Yeah. Um, and, and not only the musicians, but, you know, all the roadies, Yeah. You know, all the crew guys. The crew, how I do mean, they do? So many, so many of those people are living like paycheck to paycheck. I mean, that, that, that kind of a gig. Is really a a difficult gig as far as a business. It's a joyous gig to those guys. Those guys love what they do, but to suddenly have it all just completely stop, uh, I'm worried for so many of them. I mean, I I can I can wait this out. You know, I'm I'll survive this. But I have a lot of people in my life that I'm really concerned for them. That that this is really putting the hardships on them, on their families, on relationships. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, going to be a lot of divorces um, that are going to come out of this and suicides, um, because it's, it looks like it's going to get a lot worse before it's better, because numbers are starting to soar again. Um, and not just here. I mean, I'm talking to friends in Italy and Germany and France, and, and you know, they, they opened up a few things for them, and then people just suddenly are completely irresponsible. And,
4: you know, and so like I don't know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it, it seems like every country in Europe or wherever has a large group of people that are just anti-mask, anti-this, anti-that. Yeah. And, you know, whatever, There, that's what they... I, we've got friends that are like that. And what do you say to those people? You you can't... They, they believe what they believe. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is,
3: to me if you're going to be if this was a situation where if you're going to be irresponsible and you die so be it but the fact that this is the kind of disease where you can be irresponsible and fuck up all the people around you who yeah. are trying to yeah. do the right thing that's really the sad part of this whole thing yeah. and the fact that there's there's no plan or guidance or anything that this has become all political where it should never have been political we should have Treated it like, you know, like World War Two or something and mobilized everything we had to uh, to deal with this. And we would be nowhere near the situation that we're in had they done it. But they're a bunch of fucking morons that are, you know, that, you know, now he what's what he wants to have heard, um, you
1: know, yeah.
3: deal with this is hurt thing like let everybody get sick and whoever dies, dies and, you know. I don't know. It, it's it's horrible, but really for so many players and stuff. I mean, everybody I know, is so just chomping at the bit to play. But you want to do it right. You want to do it. You know where you're
4: all safe. Yeah. So that's why. That's why my thing got moved to 2022 because. Yeah. The, right now would be about the time where you know back, this thing and this thing that I had going. I had a, a six week tour in Europe in in March 21. Hmm. That had been planned a long time ago. But yeah. now we're at the point right now where the promoters are going to have to put up or shut up because they have to start advertising. And yeah. they're all going, I don't mm-hmm. want to put all my money in advertising if I don't know if people are going to show up at the gig. Yeah. So, so well, that's then, the problem. Now it's already November and there's no vaccine yet. So March yeah. is too close. So that's why they decided move it up another year. And, and for me, I agree. I would rather yeah. do it right like if we do get a vaccine and things start getting back to normal, I'd rather do it right than do it half ass and wonder if people are going to show up, or wonder if the promoters are going to lose all their money. and, yeah. and of course, if they do, they're going to be asking me for a reduction. You know, guy so could say, "Of course, I'll give you a reduction. I don't want yeah. you to hate me." So you well, know, well, also, how you know,
3: at, at this point, like if you're looking at, like if you're in an act that's going to go play the Staples Center. And what I don't know, the place holds eighteen thousand people or something, but they're only going to sell five thousand seats. <laughs> yeah. the game. Well, there's no way to viably do that. It's just not gonna not going to happen. But I'm looking at. I think they're losing in Japan. I think um, uh, venues in in Osaka, maybe Nagoya, are they've been losing some of the clubs over there, like Billboard Live. And oh, stuff. really? Yeah, I've heard because we were supposed to be over there on tour. And we've heard now that, that they're, they're really there's a bunch of the clubs are really struggling at this point because they still have overhead, but there's nothing happening in them. So, right. you know, I don't know where where their money's coming from, and if anybody would come in to help,
4: you know, with this. Well, stuff. I don't know. They pay rent, and they're in, They're just much. There is as much trouble as anybody else. Yeah, that's, that's the only reason the baked potatoes still there. I mean, they own the building, so yeah, you know the. If it was any other club, it would have gone under by now. Yeah. yeah. And they own that building, so, you know. Yeah.
3: It's it's surreal. I mean, this is just a surreal time that we're in, yeah. that we're, we're treading waters that have never been tread before. And um, and you just have to hope that there will be, you know, it will never be a good resolution to this because of the amount of misery that that's come from this. But if the when the time comes that we can actually start gigging again and uh, feel comfortable getting on an airplane, yeah. I don't give a shit how many times on the news they say, well, they did a study and the air movement in a plane, you know, the droplets, and all, I go, I'm not getting on a
4: fucking plane. I'm right with you there, buddy. I'm not either. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm, I'm not getting on a plane until I don't have to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we, and yeah. I I I think we just need need a vaccine that works. And yeah. once that happens, then I think a lot of these travel bans are going to be lifted and all this stuff. Because even if you wanted to play in Europe right now, you can't. They won't. Yeah, let you can't loud. So, you know, yeah.
0: So, so Leland, I, looking back over your whole career, which has been a monstrous career, do you have tours that stand out? I mean, I don't even know how you separate them all nowadays with everything you've done. But do you have tours that... I just, oh man, that was just.
3: Um, I'll Uh, tell you, one of the most joyous tours I ever did was the No Jacket Required tour with Phil Collins in 1985. Um, Because the tour, it started like we were going to play clubs. Nobody really knew who Phil was at that point. Um, He was a drummer from Genesis and all that. And he had had face value, which had, you know, some, some success. But, when we started that tour, all of a sudden, Susudio came out, mm, and, yep. and man, he became the darling of the world, and all of a sudden, all these gigs turned into, into arenas and all this, and there was an energy on that tour, and it was real stripped down. It was just uh, J. Peter Robinson on keyboards, uh, Daryl Sturmer, myself, uh, Phil Chester Thompson and the Phoenix Horns. So it was real, and uh, Daryl and I were the background singers on the tour, and also we weren't taking percussion and other musicians with us. It was really raw. It was really fun. So I loved that one. Um, I, I really, I really loved being out with Toto.
0: Oh
1: yeah, you
3: know, I, 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 I've known Luke since he was nineteen years old, and you <laughs> know, I knew the I, I knew the guys before they ever formed the band. I used to do movies with Marty Page, so I knew David Page from from you know all that period um it was really fun it was really uh it was the first tour i did with them was really a double-edged sword because i loved being with them but i hated why i was with them and that was because mike picaro was so gravely ill at that point
1: yeah um
3: but uh, and certainly like the running on empty tour with jackson brown was amazing I and mean, that album is one of the few really live albums that never got touched it's exactly how the tour went down where so many people go back into live albums and they tweak everything you know get it all in tune replace all the parts and all that that was really fun but so many you know uh work with so many different artists that are really uh i really enjoy them all yeah it's, it's you know, I, I there was one that was the worst tour I've ever done, and I quit in the middle of it.
0: Who was that? Uh, I don't well. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: come on, we're a uh, No, no, it was Tracy Chapman.
0: Oh, really, Tracy?
3: Yeah, and it was just miserable. It was you know, the band was great was the drummer on it um larry mitchell playing guitar john thomas playing keyboards and stuff i mean i i i would never denigrate her talent but man it was one righteous pain in the ass to be out there with and uh and we ended up with a two-week break in the middle of the tour and i called her manager and i said i don't give a fuck what you do but i'm not coming back (laughs)
1: And, and it was
3: but it also gave me one of the greatest opportunities i ever had in this business where um she was supposed to uh she was booked to play farm aid
1: mm-hmm.
3: um in like in 92 and um and bob glob was supposed to play bass with her on it they had, they had him on hold and they never confirmed him and then it finally came up that they were going to be going and they called bob and said so you all set he goes i'm on the road i'm on with somebody else you never called me back and he took another gig so Elliot, her uh her manager called me and he said, look, at uh, it's Thursday night, the gig Saturday. Can you learn her set tomorrow and fly to Texas? So I, I looked at that. So I love challenges. So I, 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 I learned her set, and we went down there, and, like, Roy Bitten was playing keyboards and, um, oh, God, what's his name, uh, uh, guitarist from Living Color. Oh, Vernon Reed? Vernon Reed. Yeah, Vernon was playing guitar and stuff. This great band and all So, um So it was great. So uh, afterwards, um, her manager, Elliot, said, Tracy loved it. And she's got this really massive tour coming up. Would you be game for doing it? And I said, well, you know, let's talk. And uh, he said, so what will it take? And I told him what I wanted for it. And I figured the number I gave them would have made them say no, because I really didn't want to do it. But they came back and said, OK, <laughs> you know, oh, fuck,
1: now I've got to do it. But we, we were doing The Tonight Show with I think
3: it was still Johnny at that point. And um, so, I mean, this is like one of those managerial moments where you go, really, are you this fucking stupid? Because we're walking from the green room to the stage. We haven't played yet, but we're walking down the hall. And, uh, and Elliot comes up to me and he goes, I'm really uncomfortable with this, this fee. Um, is there anything you can do about it? And I looked at him and I said, absolutely. Because just as he asked me, we were walking by an exit door from the building. So the band's walking on stage and I just walked out the fucking door and headed to the parking lot. And he comes running after me and he goes man, you guys have to play. I said, if I walk back in that door, I don't want to talk to you again for the whole rest of the tour. And the money sticks. And he goes, wow. okay, okay. But it was like the perfect thing when he asked <laughs> that, and I'm looking at that. I'm out of here. Fuck this shit. But I still ended up quitting. You know, It was just too much to put up with. Wow. Sad, sad. Because the music was good to play. But it was weird. We did a gig in Vigo, Spain, and... And it was when we were in Europe, but we had to fly in for that, so we were we could bring like an instrument, but there was all backline was, uh, and all that, and so we arrive and we have to follow Tito Puente's big band with Celia Cruz. So there's like twenty five thousand people rocking to this, and then we're gonna go up after that and do. I got a fast car, and I'm just going. I'm going. What the fuck are we gonna do? Well, we get up on the stage, and it's all this rental gear. The only cable they had for her guitar to the amp was pink, and she refused to go on until they could find a black cord. So it's things like that that were just like you're going. What? In, let's just get up and play and get the fuck out of here. This yeah, is ridiculous. right.
0: Oh man, so,
1: it was tough.
3: But that's like I think that's probably the only really kind of negative thing I can think of. Every 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 opportunity to play, and every tour has had great moments. Uh, I've been working for a number of years now with Judith Owen. Yes, judith Sure. Yep. And um, being on the road with Judith is an absolute delight. And we're like we'd be in the north of England, playing in a pub, you know, and you know some guys would come up to me and they go, "Go, last time I saw you was in Wembley Stadium. What are you doing here?" I said. <laughs> I'm playing music. Are you having fun? And they go,
1: Yeah. I said,
3: well, Good. <laughs> Fine. He's a joy to work with. And, and being on the road together is an absolute hoot uh, with her. She's a bundle of character.
0: And, Damn, so, yeah, all these, all these people and experiences that right now we're all on hold and just, yeah, which is frustrating as hell. So, yeah,
3: you know, it, it, we will play again, but, but we just don't know when.
4: But man, you know the, the thing is, is that when you meet somebody like like yourself, and we don't meet that many people because most of the people we have on our show are are just poor jazz guitar players like us, and so, <laughs> so we meet somebody that's <laughs> like, yeah, that's so. I can't understand that. Dude. <laughs> but, you
2: know,
4: you know we meet somebody like you who has so many stories about. You know, like some of these big name guys. Like, what was it like? And I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy that goes, "Okay, so here's my list. What was it like to work with him? What was it like to work with him? What's he like? What's he like? What's he like?" <laughs> you know. But that's what I feel like asking you, man, because <laughs> it's on no, the t- my tongue. Like, man, you you fucking played with Ray Charles. <laughs> oh man, that was so great.
3: It was really great. I, I worked a bunch bunch with Ray down at his studio down on Crenshaw and um, it, it, one time he said I want to talk to you in the office and we go in and he shuts the lights off and it's pitch black in there and I'm like stumbling around and he goes I'm fine <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, he, was a, he was a total character man what a, what a cool guy oh that's you know, like so that. awesome but, but for me you know it's, those are my memories it's like that like I did two albums with Andy Griffith and wow and, and 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 the first one we did, he was, you know, I'm like sitting there freaking out because I'm in Mayberry's, my whole childhood. yeah. And, and there I'm sitting there with Andy Griffith in the studio. And we ended up cutting, it was like a contemporary gospel. He was deeply into it. And he ended up winning the Grammy for top gospel album of the year that, on the first album we did. And he's also incredibly smart because when we finished the album, before it was ever released, he went on QVC and sold a million of them before wow. he ever released one. He, he sat there on, on the show and told stories, and they played the music, and bam, it the numbers were <laughs> racking up on it. But it, one of the best things I ever heard in my life was we're sitting there, and this was after Matlock and all that, and he had this thick white hair. And he looks over at me and he goes, who would have thought I'd have all this white hair and Opie be bald?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, and you, you fucking live for moments like that. And you know, I came home one day and my light was blinking. My answering Gene, I, I, I play and It's Hey Lee, Andy here, North Carolina. Just want to check in, see how you're doing. And then wow. we became really fast friends after that. And that's uh, so it's cool, yeah, and that's the stuff that I, that I leave. With you know, I mean, it's not not so much you know all the the A list people, but the ones that really touched me personally, and and that was one of those things like that, or you know, working with guys like Billy Bob Thornton and
4: stuff. You know, it's like wow, it's, uh, yeah, There's another one, man. What a fucking yeah. character. Yeah, totally, totally. But but, Sling Blade, but I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Sling Blade, love that movie. Uh, well, the thing was he. He
3: came to the studio. Um, when we did Andy's record, it, it, Steve Tyrell was producing it. And he had his studio down on Sunset. So we're in the studio working. And I think Carlos Vega may have been playing drums on that one. You yeah, know, I miss Carlos. But um,
4: I'm He's sitting the there. He killed himself.
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah it was tra- so he tragic. Was Mike's
4: band. He was in Mike's band. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the name of that band? Burning Water.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: Oh no. He was he was a beautiful, beautiful musician, and that's just still the most horrifying thing, losing him. Yeah. But um, but we're, we're sitting there working on Andy's thing, and I hear some commotion behind me. Um, and when we finished the song that we were doing, I turn and look, and it was Billy Bob, and he had come to have a meeting with Andy about some project. But I had Slingblade had just you know started playing and i just put my bass down went back and hugged him and i said dude if you never do anything again in your life you're covered
1: <laughs>
4: yeah <laughs> shit that's the truer words have never been spoken yeah so is that, that was who's the great country singer who was the um in that dwight movie? Dwight dwight. Dwight right wow what, what
1: yeah what? Dwight, dwight is a really good actor
3: Wow, no shit, yeah, he's amazing yeah and when he and when he takes that hat off you don't he doesn't even look like him, no. he's got kind of a funny shaped head and <laughs> stuff and I mean he can look like a totally you know he, it's not that character of that spring bean.
4: yeah covering his face and everything so I didn't even know the guy jump was into a whole a other character until, easily. I didn't even know the guy was a singer until after I saw the movie, wow. I, and then and then they said, you know, the guy that plays the asshole in that movie is a really famous country singer. And then I listened to some of his shit and I was like, holy fucking shit! You get out
1: more,
0: <laughs> Leland. You played with one of my favorites, Vince Gill. I saw a video of you in in one of his music videos, and it was it was back, I guess, early '90s, maybe. We all the yeah. chicks in that. Oh man, I thought. What a fun day that must have been.
3: It was great. And when you look at that band, and you look, Carl Perkins was there, yep. you know, and, and, and Michael McDonald, and I mean, everybody got And the thing that was funny was he called me to do it, but the, on that record, that track Willie Weeks played bass on.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
3: So they just asked me to come in and be in the video. <laughs> uh, but, but it was fun. But having Tex Cobb there yep. in it who was like you know, he was the villain in in raising arizona he was the biker in that and stuff i mean it's it's all this these casts of characters that to me makes it all really fascinating but i've done you know a bunch of work with vince uh, over the years what and a, man there's not a better guitar player and, and man i mean that's the thing with him is like nobody realizes what a monstrous uh, musician monster.
0: He is. and just vocalist songwriter the guy is the ultimate yeah. package. He's just the best.
3: And have yeah. done some acting yourself, right? Not really. I mean, I've been in some things, but not like you know, guys like that. You know, like I've never had the opportunity, really. I mean, I was in crap like Rhinestone with Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
1: think I think you should do a Rocky against Sylvester Stallone. I mean, I think like Rocky twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I mean that would be. That would be- Lee versus Rocky. I think you should yeah. go out and set that up,
3: man. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll both come out in diapers with walkers.
1: With walkers, yeah.
3: Oh, and each other with canes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah have, be, be like a whack-a-mole. <laughs> bring, the, bring the depends, okay? <laughs> you, do you know Putter Smith? Um, I know Putter Smith by reputation, by name, but I've never... We've never
4: okay. played. Well, he, you know, he's a jazz, uh, upright jazz bass player. He's yeah. played with a lot of famous cats, and he teaches at my school, at MI. And oh, he's at MI? And, oh, yeah, he's, he's been he's, at MI for yeah. years, just yeah. on and off, right? Wow. And, How mighty have fallen. <laughs> What's that? How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, you know, Putter's also an actor. And yeah. the way he got discovered is some guy just saw him eating dinner in a restaurant and came up and said, you want to be in Diamonds Are Forever? <laughs> and he's, in, he's the villain in Diamonds Are Forever. Wow. Like one of those Hollywood stories where he's just sitting there and some director comes up and says, you're the bad guy in my James Bond movie. That's so, that's so cool. Well, it's Hilarious. like, I mean, you know
3: Greg Bissonnette? Oh, yeah, For Greg, course, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and Greg ended up – some guy heard him talking one day, and he was – and they cast him. He was the voice of Winnie the Pooh for, like, all of the Disney toys. What? Are you kidding and me? He sounds he, – when he talks, he sounds just like Winnie the Pooh.
1: Wow. <laughs> and and
3: the, guy, the guy heard him in a restaurant or a store or something, and, and they had him come down and hired him. And he spent years doing, doing voice stuff for, for Disney. I had no idea
4: man. I yeah. had no idea. I'm going to have to call Greg and... <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's 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 weird all these weird little things that, that there's not happen. A, there's another great story about Putter where I woke up one morning before I was going to school and Divorce Court was on the TV. Just happened to be on there. Putter was up on the stand and he was getting cross-examined and it turns out that he was the testicle doctor. <laughs> so... so <laughs> Well, so the shit. attorney is asking him. So, what happened? And he's going, "Well, uh, Mr. Smith's uh, left testicle is not working, and I would suspect that's why his wife is unhappy because it's not uh, producing the correct amount of, of sperm." And then, and then I go to school, and there's Putter in the teachers' lounge, and I go, "Hey, there's the ball doctor."
1: <laughs>
4: so,
3: so, you know Alexis Sklarevsky. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. Oh, you're he, kidding me! Now, Alexis and I are like we, we try to get together. He's the only person I've had to my house since all this began, and we just um, get Mexican food and sit at opposite ends of the great table. Great guy, man. Shit. Yeah,
4: I've known I've known and, him ever since I've been working there. You know. Like, yeah, and,
3: and a great great player.
4: Yeah, he also speaks uh, he speaks Serbian. Yeah. So, so you know when, when there's been a couple of my parties where me and my wife. It, she's from Macedonia, so she, okay. she also speaks seven languages. So she she likes to go to the MI parties because she gets to speak in Serbian with,
1: with
4: <laughs> Alexis. That's great. Well, in my finger
3: book, I've got Alexis, I've got his sister, and I've got his mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: so cool. That's,
1: that's awesome.
4: Yeah, this is, this is amazing, man. I, I don't think we've ever had a podcast that has been so uh just, descriptive of the, it's a small world you know Yeah, we all know so many we all know so many people
1: you are
0: you yeah. are a first bass player we've ever had on the show I believe
4: that's right you are the first bass player we've ever had Yeah. I'm so sorry you've had to do, kind of drop to this level <laughs> uh, you we know, feel really bad about it too usually, but <laughs> usually you guys have
1: a gig so we can't get you
0: <laughs> yeah we had to wait for a pandemic
4: yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm here. Thank you. But, yeah, you know what? And <laughs> your career's going to go really downhill after this, too, after being on guitar. I'm yeah,
3: sorry about this. I'm already reading um, texts being sent to me saying, I'm so sorry about what happened to your career. So.
1: <laughs> right, right, thank you. And I predict I'll probably get about 10 of your YouTube followers by tomorrow. i hope so i hope so Uh, don't worry man i've been i've been scraping my way i've been scratching my way to the bottom for 50 years i plan to stay here for a while (laughs) yeah when you work that hard you should
3: be able to embrace it and enjoy it exactly thank you
4: (laughs) so leland i'm sure you've worked with larry carlton right oh yeah lots many times yeah You, you know travis do you know travis yeah Travis played in my in my band for, like, I don't know, four or five years. So oh, cool. He had lots of stories about him and his dad, and that's some funny shit. Yeah. Well, you when you listen, like... was... go ahead. No, so I was just going to say, he, he had all kinds of stories about him being in his dad's band and getting in trouble and showing up at the airport one time where they came and arrested him for, for pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Man, I just, the weirdest thing was always when he got shot. Uh,
1: that oh, was the,
3: God damn. You know, that was the weirdest, weirdest thing. But, but you know, like that's him on the the, the the theme to Hill Street Blues. That's Larry playing on that with his guitar synth on it. But I remember bumping into, we were in the same hotel in Tokyo. He was there with the Crusaders. and And I said to him, so what do you guys do while you're here? And it was, you know, Wilton and Joe and those guys. And he said, well, I, we should kind of stay in our rooms. I said, what the fuck? You're in Tokyo and you're sitting in a hotel room? I grabbed him and we spent the day jamming all over Tokyo. And uh, That's uh, great. It, it, it was great, but it was really great. Back in the early 70s, there was a, a show called Mrs. ABC. And it was a children's show. And the music was Guitar Larry. And he, he would stand and play guitar while this children's show was going on. <laughs> oh,
1: that's
4: great, man. <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: I only got to meet him maybe a couple of times, but the funniest thing was when I met him at Travis's birthday gig at the Baked Potato. Uh-huh. And I brought my daughter, who was about, like, maybe about eight at the time. And Travis was up on the mic going, all right, motherfuckers. So this time we got to get this motherfucker up here. This is let let's this guy. Yeah, come on here, you fucking cocksucker. Come on up here, right? And my daughter's like, Uncle Travis sure likes to cuss a lot, doesn't he, Daddy? Right? And, La- and Larry's in the audience, and Larry was outside uh, uh, on the you know on the sidewalk in front of the club, and Travis walked out, and Larry was just like facepalm, just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when people used to go to the potato
3: when luke was playing there and he would do his oh, yeah. readings from his books and man people would be like just
4: heading to the doors real fast he yeah. f- it was so. Yeah. <laughs> he will never be hired to teach a class at mi again because <laughs> he really took it out and they will never ask him to come back <laughs> yeah yeah, he, he's That's, a good—he's he, a good bridge burner. Yeah, I, I remember when I met him at his with his girlfriend at Baked Potato one night, and he said, "Hey, Scott, how you doing, man? This is my girlfriend, Cynthia. Isn't she beautiful and shit?" <laughs> and I'm like, Luke, you're all class all the way. <laughs> did did wow. you see the Did you see the video of him playing his Marshall at his neighbors at about four in the morning?
3: Well, it was it was like six thirty in the morning because they they were, the gardeners next door had their their blowers going. So he that, that's so great. And he's out there in his bathrobe and screaming. It was fantastic. His marshals picked up all the way. That was some great shit.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
3: I think he said he had the marshals like piled on it like a trampoline or something. He <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's there's only
0: one man. There's
1: only,
0: is, We we had Luke on the show. He was he was a lot of fun. We had Luke. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know. He was <laughs> he was
1: Julie.
0: He was tame. He it was He wasn't
1: as, <laughs> old as you are.
0: He, he was he was tame. But um Leland, when you doing a lot of these sessions, do you, looking back over all these um, you know, huge names that you played with, you know, Phil Collins and Jude Cole? Well, Love and Joe Cocker. Did you? Was that a lot of these artists are there on the session? You get to they having input or? Yep.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, some you know, some you know, like I've done a bunch of stuff with Diana Ross, but she's never been at a session. Right. Um. You know, like she would be back on tour or something, and we would finish the tracks, and then they would send, they would catch up with her on the road and book a studio and do her vocals or something like that. Um, but for the most part, um, most of most of them are. are I would say probably sixty yeah. percent have been on their sessions. Certainly, like with Joe Cocker, Willie Nelson, yeah. people like that, they're they're there. And you put your headphones on, and you hear one note, and yeah. you go, it's
1: wow. them. That's Grace
3: and was always on her wow. sessions and stuff, singing live and. Um, you know, right. so for the most part, yeah, it's great because they they want to know what's going on on their stuff too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, Did,
3: and the ones the ones I like are the ones that that know not to say anything mm. if they're happy with it. They don't impose themselves on the session; they just let it happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. And why do you think? Why do you think you've had such an amazing career with all the the caliber of artists and that you have played with over the years? Is what do you think? <laughs>
4: Well, <laughs> It has nothing to do with talent, Troy. It's just it's at the right place at the right time. Uh,
0: I've been doing the wrong thing.
1: <laughs>
3: um, I don't know. I really, you know, it's 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 one of those things that it's really hard to know. I mean i've I've worked really hard at, at, at my craft, and I, 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 I treat it with great respect. Like you know, when when you get booked for stuff. You're early. You're tuned. You're ready to work. Um, you're you're straight. You're not showing up fucked up or anything or uh, like that. Um, and and I think it's just I, I've always been a song person, mm. and I let the song kind of guide me to where it wants to go. And I listen to singers. I'm, I really love being an accompanist. So when I'm working with people, I really understand how to give them space and you're not pushing them, you're working, you know, with them and helping guide them too. So, but it's, it's hard to say because, you know, I mean, because one day I could be doing, I would be doing Anthony Newley and the next day I'd be doing Alice Cooper. So, I mean, you know, it, you've got kind of, to kind of find a routine and a dance that works with all these different people. And, um, and for some reason, even like with my bass, I've I have do not really change instruments or anything. I've I've got an instrument that seems to work in almost every format. I could be doing Vince Gill, but then I could be getting called for a hip hop date or something like that, and and everything seems to fit. I've I found like a really great neutral ground mm. that seems to work for almost everything. What is and, your base? Um, uh,
4: sitting right here. <clears throat>
1: Wow, there it is!
4: Oh, it's just a good old Fender jazz bass. Well, what it is is this—I
3: call this bass Frankenstein um, because it was never a—it was never a real instrument for some reason. It got up at one point in around 1973, with a 62 um, precision neck, a Fender precision neck. Uh, I ended up going out to Charvel, who were making replacement parts for, for instruments. Uh, and they were out, like, in San Dimas or someplace yeah, like I that. Him. It was uh, What's his name? Grover. Yeah. Um, and I went out there, and they had a big stack of these precision bodies sitting there, blank, alder precision bodies. And I just went through all of them, hung each one by a piece of wire and tapped on them. And I found this one piece of wood that just sang to me. So I went down because we used to hang out all the time at Westwood Music, Fred Wallachie, down on Westwood Boulevard, and John Carruthers was the um, mm. ran the repair shop there. Well, I know so John I got together. So well. Yeah, so I got together with John, brought him the neck and this blank body, and we decided to build a bass out of them. And my preference was my first real professional bass that I picked up for ninety bucks was a sixty-two jazz bass. So I took the, i still got it. It's the one I used on Spectrum and all the early James Taylor records and stuff. Um, I took it down and we, we pulled a template off the neck and then John reshaped the precision neck into a jazz neck. And during the course of having to do that, we had to strip the frets and everything out of it. And I was walking around the shop and I found a spool of fret wire hanging on the wall and I said, what's this? He went, that's mandolin wire. I said, let's use that on it he said well that'll never work i said well fuck it let's try it if it doesn't work i'll pay you for another fret job um and and it worked unbelievable and every bass i've ever had since then has mandolin wire on them it's almost like playing a fretless when you've got that. It's the thinnest wire you can get and then the pickups on this um it, when rob uh turner started emg these are the very first pickups he made and um what we decided to do though was the pickups on this body would have gone right in here um, uh-huh. because it was a precision body. But what we did is we put the pickups where jazz pickups would have gone. Oh, I but see. normally normally these pickups would have been reversed in position. This one would have been here and that would. But I thought to myself, by the nature of the G and the D string, they're going to read better than the A and the E. So why wouldn't you put this, the, the pickup closer to the bridge on the A and the E string so we flipped both pickups over wow. in the cav- in the cavity where the pickup would have gone I've got two 9-volt batteries I run 18 volts in the thing and um, it's got a badass bridge it's got a hip shot detuner on it and this was um, the very first one this is the prototype for for hip shot wow. so I call the bass Frankenstein because it's all these pieces but I mean, it's covered. It's wow! Nothing but autographs all over cool. the thing. I love it. I mean, I've That's still got like awesome. Jeff Picaro's on it. All you know, there's so many guys wow. over the years, and and I never, I never clear coated it. So, so a lot of people have come and gone, but I have a base that Yamaha built me in Japan, where they were trying to do something similar to this. And, uh, and it's a good bass. It's not this, though. This is my main instrument. But um, it's black, so I, I had everybody who signed that one do it with metallic markers, and then I clear-coated it. But I've got Bob Hope and Mel Torme and Debbie Reynolds and Milton yeah. Berle and um, Dick Van Dyke. Wow. Um, oh I mean, was, uh, we used to do the uh, Mark and Brian Christmas show every year down at the Palladium, and they would always bring in an old actor. Um, to do a, rec- a recitation of the night before Christmas. And uh, and I would immediately get them to sign the bass. And, uh, and and one of the shows we did, it was really great, um, the one when I had Mel Torme sign it, he came and sang the Christmas song, and on the same show Donald O'Connor sang White Christmas. And I went back in the dressing room and looked at the two of them. I said, if I die in a car crash on the way
1: home, <laughs> it's
3: okay. <laughs> wow
1: so, Leland but that's is, my, is, is
0: is there my, an artist is there an artist that you would have loved to, to play
3: with um there's a few that, I, that I've never really had a chance I I kind of skirted around a bit with Elton but never had a real chance mm-hmm. to work with him and I, I especially back in 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 the period of back in the high life I'm a huge Winwood fan oh, and I yeah. never got a chance to work with Winwood, so I, I would have loved that but you know I'm I'm not greedy, you know, so I, I just kind of look at, at these people and I go, yeah, fun, but, you know, it would have been fun. I'm really content with, you know, all the people I've had a chance to work with. Um, but there, you know, there's there's always going to be some. I'm like doing the YouTube thing, like I'm going through some of these things and I'm suddenly going, God, you yeah, know, I remember working with Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams, so. Um, I mean Denise Austin so I'm like going through that album trying to figure out which tracks I'm on cuz there's a couple of bass players on it so I'm trying to figure that out and Julio Iglesias and all this this <laughs> shit so, you
1: know it's wow. it's
3: been a fun run you know I cannot for the life of me ever complain about anything because man I I've, I've been able to spend my whole life paying the bills playing music never had to have another job
0: it's, it's amazing and,
3: uh, I feel really really fortunate
0: is and is that your hot rod? Yeah. What what is that?
3: Uh, um here I'll show you. These are one of the pictures that I signed for people in, you know.
0: Oh yeah. What a ripper. Wow
1: Yeah,
3: it's it's well it's registered as, as a nineteen twenty three Ford. But I mean it's you know it's a tube frame and a fiberglass body and it's a thousand horsepower small block in it. Running twin turbos and dual throttle body fuel injectors and nitrous and thing weighs about the same as a smart car <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: so it's it's pretty pretty terrifying you know when, when you take somebody for a ride you, they're they're white knuckling really easily
0: <laughs> is this do you have is that the hobby outside of music when you're not doing music
3: um it was for a long time, but now um I'm more content just doing yard work and stuff. But I'll tell you, one of my favorite things was when I was in Australia um, on one of the tours, I ended up hooking up with a guy named Ken Warby and Ken Ken Warby's like one of the, uh, he was campaigning um, jet powered dragsters. He, he, he held the world's record for jet powered um, boats. Right. And, uh, and so we went out to the drag strip and and he comes pulling in with the semi and he opens the back door and there's two jet engines sticking out of the thing for two different dragsters. And his daughter drove one of them and he drove the other and they would do exhibition runs and stuff. Um, that was, but I've had, I've got so many great memories from Australia. There was a guy on my first, first trip there. Um, and I can't remember his name now, but he was known as like the gene maker to the stars. He did like all these like jackets with sequins and all this shit all over him made a lot of money doing that and apparently outside of it must have been melbourne um there had been a big fire in the mountains up there and he had one of these suzuki jeeps that were never exported to the united states they had like really tall thin tires on them and stuff they were almost like a military kind of weird jeep yeah and um and he had one of those and he said you want to take a drive up into the mountains. You know, the fires were up there and they cut all these fire trails and stuff. So we, I went, shit, yes, let's go up there. And we drove around the mountains and then we went over a hill and found a, a German Hofbrau restaurant in the middle of nowhere that somehow survived the fire. And he and I go in there. We're the only people in the place. And the owner comes out, and he's wearing later hose, and, and 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 we order we order food. There's every piece of shitty kitsch on the walls and ceiling from like the, from the Black Forest and stuff. And the guy comes out, and he's playing accordion for us the whole time we're eating. And and finally we leave, and 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 he and he looks at me when we're going out of the mountain. He goes, "Are you worried about the clothes you're wearing right now?" I said gives a shit what do you mean because these suzuki jeeps had an encapsulated induction system on them with a snorkel that ran to the top of the windshield and he said let's go down we drove down into a river where the only thing sticking out of the water was our heads and the snorkel and everything else <laughs> was underwater <laughs> but i mean it's like that's the kind of stuff that i think about it suddenly thinking about australia they I mean, had so many fun adventures down there with people and Really
0: made some really great friends down there. Oh, man. I love going there. Awesome. I love it. I love it. It's been, um, yeah, I, I remember watching you as a kid on TV uh, with the Phil Collins stuff. And, mm-hmm. yeah, just always been a huge fan, man. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I know you got, you've got a German thing tomorrow. Is that tomorrow or tonight?
3: Uh, that was today. That was today. Uh- and and it kind of worked for a little bit, but they were just having a lot of technical Zoom issues because it was going to be me and Chester Thompson and Ian Pace from Deep Purple. Were gonna be, we were supposed to be in Germany doing this whole thing. Wow. And uh, so they had, it was online. And so I talked a little bit and Chester played a little bit and talked. And then we ended up getting off because Ian was actually there in Paderborn. So he went on and did his demonstration and was doing the deep purple stuff and all that um, but uh, yeah, so that was that tomorrow tomorrow from I have a clubhouse on my YouTube channel, and tomorrow i've got this to be in the clubhouse like ten bucks a month, and I do two live streams a month, but then there's a, an elite. Level where once a month I do one-on-one Skype or FaceTime with people, and <laughs> I've got this list of all these people I've got to deal with tomorrow. Wow! So, uh, I'll be working from nine a.m. till five thirty in the evening, doing fifteen-minute increments God. with people. Wow! Uh,
1: wow! So, so I, it's fun, it's
0: Leland. Fun. I, I, I love it. How busy you are, sir, and how you just sort of you kick an ass out there. I watch you on social media, and I love that you have a voice. With what's going on right now in the world and the country. We need people like you, so thank you for that. And um, where do we find you? Is it your website? Where do, what are you pro- Um Well,
3: if, if I'm not kicked off, you can just come to Facebook. Um, I can always be messaged there, and everything I do on, on Facebook is public. So that's why I also get fucked is because I'm leaving it all public. So I get every, I get the lunatics besides the cool people. Right. Um, so they could come there. Um, they could come to YouTube uh, and come just to Leland Sklar on YouTube and they'll, they'll find the channel and there's probably about 230 videos now. Wow. Um, on there. And I've done one every single day since the pandemic began.
1: Just like me, but no one cares what I do. That's the only difference. I care. I care. No, you don't. But it's okay. Right. But I. But no, I, I, I. But I want to just run something by you, okay? Yeah. Just to get your advice, please. I came up with a, a music-oriented business idea. I mean, I'm like you. I have a TV show that I've run. I've got 50 episodes on my YouTube channel that I tried to do live on Facebook, but they kept it. Just, yeah. So I just put it on YouTube. Um, but I came up with this idea. Okay. And, and, and we call this the pandemic, right? Because basically we're locked down and we're stuck at home. And as someone like me, I mean, I've never lived in my own home steady for six months before, you know, I'm always yeah. on the road doing whatever I'm doing, gigging, you know, the thing. And now I've moved in and my wife is going like, Oh, what is this? You know? What yeah. I mean? And so while everybody's calling it the pandemic, I realize it's it's really the pandemic, <laughs> okay? Because you know what I mean. What's happening here is we've moved in on our, on our women, and like we blink our eyes too loud, and we fart too much, and <laughs> we breathe, which is obvious. you know that's enough to piss yeah. out. right? <laughs> Breathing is like really bad. So yeah. So, anyways, I came up with an idea, which which sort of deals with the whole situation we have. And it's called Amigolo. Sort of friend, amigo, and gigolo, right? But it's a way for our wives to pimp us out, to play private gigs for lonely people, socially distanced, and of course all of the masks that are required here. Uh, And any extras would have to be negotiated on a per-person thing. But I've got this business called Amigalo, which is basically musicians go to your house, you feed them dinner, they re- entertain you, they tell you stories, you know, guys get gigs, women get actually a night at the house without this musician who, like, used to be out working all the time, but now he's moved in like a squatter, yeah. you know, so this is my idea, <laughs> Amigalo.com. What do you think of this idea? I think it's genius. Oh God, can I put that I on the great. website? Please, please,
3: please. Please. No, I, I fully endorse you. I think it's a great idea I think it's a great idea. It, it's like, like Judith Owen and I, we were gonna we were talking about starting a thing called called Faith Book. <laughs> and really try to rip off all of the, all of the religious zealots to have all this shit and swag that they could like invest in like holy water and stuff. And all. Oh, <laughs> you
1: know, I like but, that.
3: No, I think it's a great idea.
1: It's, it's just getting. Music, I think, game, I think. I think. And you know, this is holistic. I, you know, this is good stuff. Musicians I think it's get a great free. idea. Wives get free. What's the problem? Yeah.
4: I think it's. A, I think it's a great idea. It's a win-win. I gotta, I gotta do it. That I, I, I think I could help too, because okay. I could like be the guy that while you're gone playing the gig, I could come over and do the wives. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have to talk to her. I mean, for a little bit of variety, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but here's the deal: the way it works
1: is wife pimps the husband, so there's wow. no, like, there's no weirdness here, right? <laughs> okay. and, and, and I think Leland, you're ready to go on Amigolo already. I <laughs> think you're, you're on our roster. But,
4: <laughs> yeah, for, for our audience who can't see Leland, he's, he's very distinctive <laughs>
1: character. Leland,
0: thank you, sir. Thank you so much, mate. It's been an absolute well, yeah, the, pleasure. The, and um, also,
3: also, my when I when I the book will be available oh, soon. Yes. Um, so, um, uh, the website is going to be LelandSklar'sBeard.com. Awesome! Okay, no, no, some, no apostrophe, I'm, though. No apostrophe. No, no, no it's just LelandSclar'sBeard, all one word, because some motherfucker bought up LelandSklar.com and LeeSklar.com and wants a fortune what? to... What? So I couldn't access my name, so we just laughed and said, let's make it LelandSclar'sBeard. Dot com and where, that's where the book will be available.
0: Where, where are you? Where's that name from? What part of the world is Sklar come from?
3: Well, I don't know if it was ever bastardized, but like Alexis Sklarevsky could have been, you know, I could have been that. Um, but that side of my family was from Odessa in, in Ukraine.
0: Oh, okay.
3: And it's really funny because it means glassblower uh, in, in in Russian, but in Scandinavian Sklar even with a double A with an umlaut means glassblower too. And I was on on the road with Judith uh, Owen and we were in England doing some interview show for the BBC. And this girl who was interviewing us didn't know shit what we we were all about, had no clue. And so she looks at me, she goes, Sklar, that's an interesting name. What's it mean? I said, uh, glassblower. And she goes, oh, have you ever blown any glass? I said, well, only Philip. <laughs> and she just kind of like sat there, had no clue what I just had said to her. And Judith, Judith kind of looked at
1: me like, wow, wow. <laughs> I, have, I mean, I have something I need to send you. We'll do it privately. Will you consent to, to Troy giving me some sort of way to contact you? Absolutely.
0: Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. I could talk to you. Uh, I, 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 I
1: think I got your theme song for Leland Sklar's beard.
0: <laughs>
1: Great. And actually, let me let
3: me tell the people here. I have a P.O. box if anybody wants to send me like a you know a stool sample or anything like <laughs> oh, okay. that. Okay,
1: cool, cool. Um, I'll get uh, right on that. Scott, <laughs> um, we know about you. It's going to take a week or so. Okay, well,
3: it, just send it to Leland Sklar at P.O. Box. Um, 92316 at 600 Lincoln Avenue in Pasadena, California,
4: 91109, P.O. Box 92316. I got a dog named Buster. Cool. And his poop has been a little bit runny.
1: <laughs>
4: send I it over. i send you some so you can analyze it and you tell me if you can, you know, maybe tell him if I'm feeding him a little wrong or something yeah i'm, I'm really good at that shit uh, by the way if you ever want to see something interesting uh, no. um, uh, go on scott henderson's facebook page yeah and you'll see that i have a post about every possible kind of dog poop there is in the world and one of those kind of poops is a stander it's the kind of poop where the dog lays the poop, and it stands straight up, vertically. And in every stander that my dog has ever laid, there is the face of a Catholic pope. And what I've done is I've outlined the face with, with with little dots, so you can see where the nose, arrows pointing to the nose, into the beard, into the thing. And I've got, like, St. Gregory, and I've got quite a few of the more popular medieval Catholic hopes um that you can look at i'm going as soon as we hang up i'm gonna, I'm gonna be there <laughs> i suggest you do it because it's very informative
3: well it's it's always kind of great like a dog pees on a wall you know, in the area, and they're putting candles and you know and stuff around it it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I love religion. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> religion is,
4: it's so much fun to make
3: fun of. Yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But hey, we've got a farting preacher. so <laughs> Yeah,
4: man. Well, here's to we... Robert Tilton and... and Thank you so much, Leland. It's been such a pleasure to meet you and talk to you, man. This has been a blast.
3: It's it's great with you guys, and and I'll throw it out there. If any time, you know, anybody bails on you and you need somebody to do some filler poo for you, call me. (laughs)
1: I'd I'd be happy to come back. I love the hang. You got it, man. We know you bass players. You'll be working.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I <hope so>.
0: Leland.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you so much. It's absolute pleasure.
4: Okay. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, thank guys. You so much. Bye.
1: Bye. <laughs> oh man.